0: Stephen Fry, comedian, actor, writer, presenter, humanist, atheist, is posed a question by TV presenter Gabriel Byrne, and he can barely hide his response. But the question is this, suppose it's all true, and you walk up to the pearly gates and are confronted by God, what will Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? And so, as you saw, Stephen considers this question for a moment, and he likely imagines the scene before him. He imagines the God that he is addressing. And his response is venomous, to say the least. He lists things that are abhorrent to anyone. Bone cancer in children, um, injustice, worlds of pain. And declares the God he imagines to be mean-minded and capricious, to be fickle, volatile, inconsistent. His response, though, turns to good humor, however, when he considers the terms under which he would be okay with the nature of God. And he says this, now if I died and it was Pluto, Hades, and if it was the 12 Greek gods, then I would have more truck with it because the Greeks didn't pretend to not be human in their appetites, in their capriciousness, and in their unreasonableness. They didn't present themselves as being all-seeing, all-wise, all-kind, all-beneficent. And then he goes on to pose and answer his own question. On the assumption that there is a God, what kind of God is he? It's a fascinating clip, and it's a great question. Who do you understand God to be? What kind of God is he? And more than that, what should our relationship to and with that God look like? Because Stephen Fry is okay with the uh, idea of various Greek gods but not a solitary, all-seeing, all-knowing God because he deems that somehow the Greek gods are more human in their appetites and in their actions. And in his mind, this this justifies um, what he perceives to be callous behaviour, what he perceives to be the callous nature of God. And so he's determined that should there be a God at all that this God is a complete maniac and someone that should be done away with completely. So if we understand God to be a puppet master, if we understand God to be sitting on high in all his uh, deigned authority, pulling strings, deciding which way we should go, what we should do, turning things this way and that, if we understand God to be removed from our experience then I think it's very easy to draw similar conclusions to those of Stephen Fry. But rather than rejecting God outright, what if we understand God differently? What if we understand God through Jesus? Jesus, who was born in a stable. Jesus, whose parents had to flee and who became refugees. Jesus, who said, love your neighbour and your enemy. Jesus, who said that we should be known by our love. Jesus who wept and was moved with compassion. Jesus, who fed the hungry and healed the sick. Jesus, who hung out with the social outcasts and invited everyone to the table. Jesus, who described himself as being the hungry and the thirsty and the naked and the prisoner. Jesus, who challenged the religious elite. Jesus, who chose a violent death over a violent uprising. Jesus, who was... Mysterious and paradoxical, Jesus who was suffering and broken, but also redeeming and uh, resurrecting and renewing. And maybe, I don't know, but maybe, maybe Stephen Fry would be okay with that picture of God, rather than the God that has been presented to him or that he describes. If we reject notions of God as distant, and violent, and uh, inevitably judgmental, but rather understand God through Jesus, if we understand God in the context of relationship, if we understand God in the context of partnership, of suffering with us, of being invited to the table, of inviting others to the table, then I think that we understand God through a very, very different lens and a different framework. Who I personally understand God to be is through Jesus. And so, how I relate to God, how my life is informed by God, is through Jesus. And one of our values as a community is that we join God in the renewal of all things. And the renewal of all things is a phrase that Jesus himself is quoted as using in Matthew chapter 19. And when he says all things, if we weren't sure that he really meant all things, then this phrase is repeated uh, in the book of Acts. It's repeated in the epistles of the Ephesians and the Colossians. It's, um, it's quoted in Acts chapter 3 where it says, a time is coming when God will restore all things. In Colossians 1, we read that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile himself to All things. In Ephesians 1, we read that God will bring unity to all things under heaven and on earth under Jesus. And what we understand from Jesus' life and uh, his words, and from the book of Acts, and from the epistles, and from the story of the church, and from the story of humanity, and even the story of uh, community, is that restoration, reconciliation, and bringing unity. Is a process. It's not an instant thing. And the word that the uh, author uses, likely uh, the Apostle Paul or one of his followers, the the word that he uses in Ephesians that is translated as bring unity, when he writes bring unity uh, to all things under heaven and on earth, that phrase is also used in the context of, and it can mean, retelling retelling, as in the retelling of a story. And so what is being described is a process. What is being described is a narrative, is a story. Stephen Fry does acknowledge the wonder and beauty of the universe, but he struggles, like I think we all do, with suffering and the seeming meaninglessness of some elements of creation. But... I would suggest that if we see God through the lens of Jesus, what we know is that Jesus was a great storyteller. What we also know is that Jesus is not removed from our suffering and that things like tension, things like obstacles, challenges, overcoming drive narrative. They drive story. If the story was just happily ever after, in and of itself... It's a pretty boring story. I don't imagine my kids would want me reading them that story at bedtime. They'd be like, "That's it, happily ever after." How do we get to this point? How do we get to happily ever after? It's not a great story in and of itself. It's a nice conclusion, I guess. It's a nice the end, but it's a pretty dull story. The, the Christian story from Genesis until now is fundamentally about God and people. On the move. People outgrowing old, broken religious systems and embracing new, more redemptive ways of life. It's it's an epic, epic story. And the story hasn't stopped. The story is continuing. And like any good story, there is tension and there are obstacles and there are really, really messy, difficult bits. It's not sanitized. When when I retell a story, when you recount a a fascinating story, my guess is, like me, that you don't remove the grisly bits. You don't uh, censor or sanitise the gory bits, the difficult bits, the messy bits, because, if anything, you want to accentuate them because they're the most interesting parts of the story. At the time, when they're happening, they're terrible. It's awful. It's awful to be going through some of those things. But when I go to retell a story, they make the story engaging and they make the story interesting and they make the story compelling. When I retell the story, for example, of my dad at 7 o'clock at night driving down uh, a road in Byron Bay in the pouring rain on the night that Eleni, my eldest daughter, and Jackson got married, I don't ignore the bit where he rolled the car and it landed on its roof. I don't ignore the pots of curry that spread throughout the car and uh, essentially transformed the vehicle into a curry blender. I don't ignore that the curry on the road, uh, when the firemen came to the scene, uh, made them think that there were brains and body parts scattered across the road. I, I don't ignore those things. I don't jump straight to the bit where my dad... Thankfully, walked out of that wreck unscathed. I share the messy bits. I share the messed up bits that all lead to that conclusion. I include them and I accentuate them. And according to the author of Ephesians, God is retelling everything. 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 Fractured, broken, messy bits are laying scattered all over the road, all over our lives, all over creation, and God is pleased to bring it all back together in unity in Jesus. But it's a process. It has a narrative. Renewal and restoration takes time and overcomes barriers and tears down walls and requires uh, education and... um, a redemption and revelation God is retelling everything all of it not just some things not just the good bits not just the religious things not just the righteous things not just the well-meaning things but all things all of history all of heaven all of earth he's retelling restoring reconciling renewing all things And so what I believe that God is up to in the world involves everything, everything being redeemed and coming together as it should be. It's inclusive. Nothing is left out. Nothing. All things. Fractured relationships are taken and made whole. Yes, absolutely. All things. Broken hearts made new. Yes. All things. Abuse uh, transformed and replaced by unconditional love. All things. Racism, bigotry, Islamophobia, homophobia, journeying to a place of inclusion? All things. The detained and the prisoners set free? All things. Violence and warmongering being set aside for peace and peacemaking? All things. According to Paul, this is what brings God pleasure. This is what God is up to in the world. This is what God is now doing, the renewal of all things. And so if we understand God through the lens of Jesus, then we understand that God is a relational God. And as a relational God, we are invited. We, we have the opportunity, we have the opportunity to join him in this work we're invited to be ministers of reconciliation to be people who are inclusive not exclusive to be people who bring uh, things together not tear them apart to be people who are welcoming not rejecting to live as evidence that a better world is possible to be conduits of of goodness and love and peace and renewal Brian McLaren uh, an activist and a pastor and a theologian is releasing a new book in a few weeks, and I've had a bit of a sneak peek at it, and it's called The Great Spiritual Migration. And in it, he argues that the Christian faith is not dying, rather that it's actually just continuing its story and its progression and its movement toward renewal. And he explores three profound shifts, and I just want to share them with you very, very quickly, that he believes that are happening at the moment in and around the Christian church and faith. The first shift is a spiritual shift. He argues that growing numbers of Christians, whether they describe themselves as that or not, are moving away from defining themselves by lists of beliefs and toward a way of life that is defined by love. The second shift that he describes is a theological shift. People are increasingly rejecting the image of God as a violent being and embracing the image of God as the renewing uh, spirit and power at work in our world for the common good. And the third shift that he describes is a missional shift where people are identifying less with organized religion and more with what he calls organizing religion. So spiritual activists, community organizers, people like you and me, uh, organizations and movements such as Common Grace and Love Makes a Way and and even Welcome to Australia, who, who are dedicated to healing the planet and building peace and overcoming poverty and collaborating even with other faiths to ensure a better future for all people. And what I believe that McLaren is describing is in these spiritual, theological and missional shifts is essentially what we would call joining with God in the renewal of all things. People who are motivated not by a list of beliefs, but by a way of living in love. People who are fascinated by and engage with a life of retelling and restoring and reconciling and renewing people who reject the notion of a violent, manipulative, judgmental God and instead understand God through Jesus, a God who experiences us and we experience him, people who are less conforming and more organizing, people who are active and abounding in love and delighting in joining with God in the renewal of all things. And so my hope and my prayer is that this would be our reality, that this would be who we are, that this would inform and form us as a community, that this would essentially, in many ways, be the heartbeat of found. May it be so. That's my prayer. I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for Stephen Fry. I thank you, Lord, for people who have the courage to ask and endeavour to answer difficult questions. I pray that we, too would be willing to ask difficult questions, to not be afraid of the answers we describe and to be willing to receive and to respond to each other's answers with humility and with grace. Lord, I thank you that we can describe and understand you through the lens of Jesus and that as such, you are a relational God. May we be motivated less by certainty of belief and more by a way of living and loving. May we reject violence. May we embrace love. May we delight in joining with you in the renewal of all things. Amen. Amen.